Hi, it's Mark Sisson. Welcome to the Primal Blueprint Podcast. It's time for another show dedicated to the world of keto. Check out ketoreset.com for details about my New York Times bestselling book and send your questions to info at ketoreset.com. That was Slave to the Grind, Old Time, Skid Row. Important later in the show. You'll see why in a moment. And I'm going to go off a little bit here with this show uh, titled Beware of Taking an OCD Approach to Keto or to Health Goals because I'm getting a little frustrated. We're existing here in the age of social media and hyperconnectivity and kind of the age of the guru and the know-it-all and the naysayer all getting a powerful voice thanks to the uh, connectivity of the internet. And it sometimes is a little bit much. I think it's wonderful to have the incredible uh, breadth and depth of information on a topic of your interest, such as keto. You can get on there and go to town on YouTube videos and blogs and get your head overwhelmed with all kinds of, uh, for the most part, Uh, thoughtful and helpful information. But then we tip over that balance and we get into this um, uh, this sort of guru uh, mode where people are building their platform. They're calling attention to themselves because that's how you have to succeed. You have to get that market share, those numbers up. But when we cross over into the overly hyped communication or my way is the best way and everything else is ineffective or the result of these little nuances that you can make in health, fitness, uh, healthy lifestyle pursuits are absolutely astounding and phenomenal and incredible. Uh, It gets to be a bit much day after day after day. I might be in this uh, mindset because I just returned from a wonderful conference called KetoCon in Austin, Texas. Uh, First time kicking it off, and it was really great. And there were a ton of interesting presentations. They did sort of rapid-fire format where the presenters had a 30-minute gig, and then on to the next one, and then on to the next one. And the quality of the information is wonderful, but as anyone knows who attends uh, a conference of this nature, there's a point where you can max out on your input, and then you start getting way into your head, into the analytical mind, rather than taking action and being intuitive and feeling your way to health rather than thinking your way to health and oftentimes overthinking your way to health, especially with uh, listening to some of the questions from people in the audience, getting into the incredibly deep nuances of the keto approach and how many carbs to add back, how many times a week to make sure you balance out and tracking your macronutrients exactly uh, and all those kind of things, which I think appeals to a certain type of Uh, linear thinking person, the engineering mindset or whatever you want to call it. But in general, I'm going to call that out and second guess this overly analytical approach to health because in the process, oftentimes your intuition can get compromised due to the maximum input and the maximum cognitive processing that's going on when you're exposed to information every single day, which for the first time really ever in history of humanity, we have that ability to just constantly lock in and process more and more and more information. There was one study quoted in the Primal Connection 
that the average person is exposed to, I think it was 33 gigabytes of information each day. And that's like 60 times more than we were exposed to in the 60s. Think about, you know, driving home from work and we saw seven billboards uh, or something of that effect. And then we got home and picked up the newspaper and read a few articles and then chose from one of three networks to watch the evening news or the evening programming and talk to two or three or four people in our family or walking down the street with our dog. And now, oh, mercy, we're getting, you know, the average teenager is getting uh, 2,000 text messages a week and all these kinds of shocking statistics. So anyway, we want to make sure that we don't get too OCD about especially uh, the health and fitness parameters like your dietary patterns, your exercise patterns. Um, I'm informing my message here uh, being an old timer and I came from the triathlon world many, many years ago and it predated all the high-tech fitness world that we have today. There were no heart rate monitors. There were no professional coaches. There were a couple of magazines. There were very few books uh, about training information. There was no internet. There was no free exchange of information with numerous uh, hundreds, thousands of other athletes uh, at the click of a mouse and uh, reviewing. So it was sort of the, the old school network where you interacted with a small number of peers and then were forced to be a little more self-reflective than maybe we are today where we outsource our intuition to the coach or the prevailing um, approach from the masses uh, whatever is the most popular and the loudest voice shouting for how to do it my way. Um, and so things were a lot simpler back then. And the top athletes were forced to be more intuitive, uh, more going with the flow approach. The approach was rudimentary in consideration of today. But what's funny is if you look at the great athletes of the old times, um, they still stack up pretty well to the performance standard of today. Because even with all these technological breakthroughs, and sophistication of training methods and exchange of information. We had guys like Kenny Souza back in the day who knew nothing about nutrition, didn't care much about it, didn't really have a high-tech approach to training. Again, no heart rate monitors, no wattage meters, and he basically woke up every day, did pretty much the same thing in his training. He'd do an easy jog in the morning, he'd ride his bike for four or five hours, and he'd do another jog in the afternoon. A couple days a week, he'd switch out the second run for a fast track workout, and he was just locked into this routine, which, by the way, was fueled with a synthetic chocolate smoothie shake in the morning and a lot of coffee. Um, After his bike ride, he would have Mrs. Fields cookies and then a cheap burrito somewhere in Boulder uh, for dinner. So there was not a lot of nutritional value. There was not a lot of reflection about that void in the big picture. And The thing is, he had trained his body to such a high standard to perform that he was still able to be at the world-class level, uh, obviously recover well. We can question whether this uh, type of dietary strategy affected his longevity, but in the big picture, he had so many good things going for him and was averse to that overly obsessive approach to diet that he was very relaxed and believed that what he was doing was working for him and wasn't stressed about Um, his macronutrient patterns that he was feeding into an online calculator. Now, other guys at the time, Dave Scott was the ringleader of 
you know, a tremendous focus on diet, tremendous awareness and knowledge about nutrition. But as we find out now, we might have had it all wrong on this high carbohydrate eating pattern and uh, locking ourselves into carbohydrate dependency as endurance athletes, burning so many calories and consuming so many quote unquote healthy calories, but possibly missing out in a lot of ways from a more balanced ancestral informed diet. So a lot of good that did us to obsess about nutrition back then. Even Mark Sisson, if you go back and read uh, one of his first books, uh, Training for Duathlons, he put in uh, a quip about his uh, winning pre-race meal before the best marathon race that he ever ran. And the meal consisted of three beers, a bag of frozen peas, and a half a gallon of Rocky Road ice cream the night before his marathon. I think we repurposed that for the Keto Reset Diet book, so you might find that, that line dropping in there. Um, it certainly worked for him, even though it might have not passed muster with uh, the nutrition standards. But again, the big picture, the sensible approach to training, where we were not into this overly obsessive, high-tech, biofeedback approach, uh, worked wonders in comparison to someone who's down that rabbit hole today and exhibiting uh, OCD patterns when it comes to their training methods. Uh, so I want to guard against that regimented approach where you're looking at a predetermined training schedule and trying to adhere to it no matter what in the name of progress and peak performance and competitive success. It simply doesn't work to try to cover all the variables and uh, treat yourself like a robot and proceed without reflection on, let's say, even the weather. I mean, we have these tough guy standards where if it's raining, you just put on a rain jacket and you go out there and pedal. But when you're a bike rider in particular and it's raining, your chances of dying increase even more than they already are in possibly the most dangerous thing that you do in your daily life. If you're a cyclist out on the road, I'm going to argue that that's the number one most dangerous thing you do in your daily routine. And there is no number two because number one is so much higher than number two. So it really begs uh, some reflection on riding in safe areas only, under safe weather conditions, and boy, if that's going to affect your training plans, I'm really sorry about that, but maybe you can make some uh, problem-solving adjustments like doing an indoor bike ride or doing another workout when the weather's uh, unfavorable for the dangerous activity of riding. Oh my goodness, what an aside, but what an important one if you're going to reflect a little bit when you're out there pedaling on the road. But back to the focus. So we have that uh, unstructured, loosey-goosey approach from the old days where there possibly wasn't enough attention paid to nutrition or to stress and rest patterns and having some positive biofeedback like heart rate variability to help guide you and make better decisions in training. But now we got to be careful for the pendulum swinging all the way to the other direction, which to me is this nauseating uh, penchant for hyperbole and exaggeration when it comes to little tiny nuances and adjustments to, let's say, your dietary patterns or your training patterns. And we have the gurus out there, I don't have to name any names because I'm sure you'll recognize when I make these characterizations where they talk about taking four ounces of this two times a day or 20 grams of that 
or doing 10 minutes of this uh, breathing practice or meditation and the results are absolutely astonishing or their productivity has been found to increase 5 to 10x just from this simple change in their daily lifestyle pattern. Um, the best-selling book about making your bed, that making your bed will set the tone for productivity for the entire rest of the day. I'm not going to dispute that that premise could lead you down a good path, some good suggestions, but just the the hype and the uh, these characterizations that little things are miracle uh, performers is ridiculous, especially in the athletic realm when my entire career I was approached by people saying, hey, try this uh, part on your bicycle or try this nutritional supplement and you'll gain uh, 6% improvement in your performance. And I'm like, really? Because if that's true, that means I'm going to be jogging to the finish line, winning every single race by a large margin, and then uh, going back and taking a shower uh, before I watch the second place guy come in. It's absolutely ridiculous and a real turnoff. So we got to watch out for that, uh, that hype these days, that if you do these 17 things on the list, you're going to get a lot better. Because if that were true, if we could keep increasing our productivity 10x every time we found a new trick, um, we would be uh, hanging out on the moon right now, or we'd be on the Olympic team. All of us. We'd have hundreds of people uh, good enough to make the Olympics. Um, Even worse than the hype are the naysayers who hide behind that Harry Potter cloak of invisibility or invincibility, either one, really, hiding behind the uh, anonymity of the internet and savagely criticizing anything that they deem to be uh, imperfect. Um, I'm going to point out uh, keto tards on Facebook because there's a lot of good information on there. There's some things that have really got me to sit down and reflect and be wary of making uh, exaggerating claims like I just criticized. But the information is dispensed uh, so savagely that it, it kind of turns off and it diminishes the overall contribution of the message. Um, exogenous ketones, uh, for example, are the most disgraceful ripoff in the history of the planet. And then you have Dr. D'Agostino on the other side doing wonderful research and uh, the beneficial effects of these ketones, especially for people that are dealing with cancer, seizures, or even looking for an edge in athletic performance. Another example I'll mention is, um, uh, you know, losing the, uh, throwing the baby out with the bathwater or, uh, you know, having common sense lose ground to faction fighting and hysteria. Um, I'll talk about my old buddy, Rip Esselstyn, my old friend from the triathlon circuit. We go back 30 years, and now he's a prominent uh, diet advocate. He's got the Engine 2 diet and the Engine 2 line of products at Whole Foods, and we have so many areas of agreement. We mainly agree on the importance of living a healthy, fit life, where nutritious foods are the centerpiece, and junk foods are uh, something that you avoid. Um, and if you know a little bit about Engine 2, it's uh, kind of the opposite of the ancestral approach where it's very low-fat, plant-based diet uh, bordering on vegan or vegetarian. Um, and when I had a chance to sit down and visit with Rip uh, earlier this year, we talked through some of the distinctive points. But there's so much common ground. I mean, I went shopping with the guy here in Sacramento at the Natural Foods Co-op, kind of like a Whole Foods but a co-op style. And our shopping baskets were very similar. He got the fresh blueberries and the greens and came home and had a nice meal. Um, I might have thrown in some grass-fed uh, hamburger that uh, didn't appear in his basket. He might have thrown in some 
preparations that are not part of the primal paleo plan, but the big picture of walking that path and being committed to health outweighs the little nuances or the big nuances, if you want to get into it, the significant differences of opinion we have on diet. But you know what? We can still be friends. We can still learn from each other. We can still pick and choose what we want from other people's approach and from the science that's out there that's presented, and then frame everything in that N equals one experimental mindset where what works for you is probably the most important thing. So when Mark and I were uh, getting into the nitty-gritty of how to present the message in this book, The Keto Reset Diet, we worked very, very hard to reflect on every single paragraph to make sure that we come off as reasonable, open-minded, and flexible with our recommendations, and especially urging you to remain in the driver's seat when you take your journey toward health, um, and to take possibly everything with a little bit of a grain of salt and a big picture perspective, even stuff that we present in the book, if it kind of rubs you wrong or feels like it's counter to your intuitive sense of what works for you. Um, that was our goal, and in, in tandem, I'm going to urge you to run screaming from the gurus that want to kick you out of the driver's seat and take over the wheel and drive you on the journey to health that they believe is right for everybody or that their way outweighs somehow your ability to think critically about the information that's presented to you. So that's a good little hit here to uh, back off from the OCD approach to stress too much about the particulars and the nitty-gritty However, I do not want you to misinterpret this message as the guy who's saying to be loosey-goosey about everything and don't stress about this and don't worry about that and, hey, everything in moderation because that uh, statement bugs me as much as anything. Don't forget Mark Twain's take on that when he said, everything in moderation, including moderation. And here we are in modern life with all our technology and medical advancements, and we're still marching toward uh, health epidemics, disease epidemics in advanced modern society. And it's absolutely tragic that we're still prevailing with type 2 diabetes increasing, increasing, obesity rates, uh, all the other things, cancers, heart disease, um, that we know how to uh, take care of, but we just keep having that momentum pushing us in the wrong direction. So, uh, when it comes to health, uh, moderation is not warranted because of the baseline, the disastrous state of health is so uh, is so bad that you have to have a very strict and extreme approach to uh, transition away from uh, the momentum. Uh, like Jane Leno said one night on his monologue, today there are more overweight people in America than average weight people. So overweight people are now average, which means you've met your New Year's resolution. Okay, so I'm going to take uh, an entire next show and discuss how to straddle that line from avoiding the overly stressful, orthorexic, OCD approach to diet, exercise, uh, lifestyle patterns, and uh, have some firm commitments to healthy living and some foundational behaviors that inform the way that you live your life so that you can trend in the direction of health and balance and stress management and healthy eating and sensible exercise and achieving peak performance, but not going over that uh, 
over that line and into the realm of the gurus and the hype and the overly stressful approach. So thanks for listening. This is your host, Brad Kearns, and let's pair this one up with next week's show. I think you're going to love it, and you'll walk out with a beautifully refreshed perspective where you're cultivating your intuition, you're enjoying your life, and you're not uh, heading out in that direction of OCD. Oh, and remember the crazy heavy metal slave to the grind opening music. The reason I put that out there is because I remember uh, getting psyched up for a workout with music, putting on some headphones and listening for a few minutes gets you into that peak performance mindset, possibly better than any of these little nutritional concoctions or recommendations to dose up with 10 grams of carbs before your intense workout to get a significant performance boost if you're keto or any of that stuff, which uh, may or may not have an effect, probably does have a positive effect, like recommended. But what about the heavy metal music, man? That'll get the hormones flowing, the stress hormone spiking, so you can go throw around some heavy weights or go do a sprint workout. So let's put that up there on the list. Thank you. Hi, it's Brad Kearns to tell you about Paleo Cooking Boot Camp. Oh, what fun. Finally, you have a chance to learn from a real professional about intentional cooking, where you maximize the efficiency of your time, dedicate two hours on the weekend to cooking, and Chef Katie French, the earthivore, will take you through this incredible whirlwind cooking session where you cook enough in two hours to have ready-made delicious paleo approved meals for the entire week paleocookingbootcamp.com this is a digital version of her award-winning course that was given to students live in the bay area and now wherever you are whatever you're doing you can have a step-by-step approach that makes it easy to succeed in the kitchen even if you're not a big foodie even if you're a little intimidated about doing recipes just push the play button and Katie will take you through the cooking course. It's a two-hour boot camp every weekend designed to last for a month and you will be dialed with your paleo meals. Just open up that refrigerator door. Imagine having all these delicious snacks and breakfast items, dinner entrees, dessert treats even. And let me tell you, I was on the set watching this whole production. It is the real deal. The food is absolutely amazing and you will be surprised what you can accomplish in the kitchen with an intentional cooking method. There's no other course like this found in the world. We looked, believe me. So check out paleocookingbootcamp.com and enroll today.